This is episode 502 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Coming Second Civil War. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible Books allows you to listen to the best books when you are on the go. Now, I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and learning while I stay busy doing other things, especially getting ready in the morning and driving. Now, right now, Audible is offering two free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a trial period. And if you choose not to stay with Audible after the trial period, you still get to keep the audiobooks. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go to thepreperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, guys, so our article of the podcast comes to us from survivalblog.com. And I think this is an interesting article. Uh, a lot of you uh, might find it interesting as well. And there's going to be some of you that are just like, Todd, really, do we need to go there? Talk about something preparedness related. So I think that it is good to have a view of every possibility that's out there, right? And so uh, I think that this is something that I have seen in Texas. Uh, he, this author actually uh, mentions Texas as well. And so, uh, you know, I have seen that when we look at voter registration and different things like that. And uh, this is something that I do take into account. And so hopefully you will see the importance of it as well. So let's go ahead and start reading again, coming to us from survivalblog.com, the coming second civil war. A new paradigm has become evident in both the demographics and the political landscape of 21st century America. Our nation's major political camps are becoming increasingly polarized. The differences between the more populous and liberal coastal regions versus the lightly populated and conservative inland regions are growing more sharp with every passing year. In the long term, a clash of wills between the red and the blue is almost inevitable. Whether this will result in conflict or in eventual partition and accommodation remains to be seen. Trouble might occur as early as the year 2020, or it might be a full generation away, but sooner or later, I can definitely see it coming. This rift might result in a second civil war. If and when it comes, this war will not be on racial lines nor on economic lines per se. Rather, it will be a war of worldviews. Now, even a liberal and profoundly statist magazine like The Atlantic has recognized that there are huge disparities between rural America and urban America. In a recent article titled Red State, Blue City, author David A. Graham pointed out there might be armed conflict between the two camps. Another troubling change is the overt politicization of our government agencies. Recently, the U.S. FBI, once considered an unassailable paragon of the even-handed rule of law, has recently come under fire for harboring political schemers. These conspirators formed a secret society within the FBI that maneuvered the agency to selectively soft-pedal investigations on their friends while ramrodding investigations on their political opponents. The supposedly independent Mueller investigations have been tainted by heavy political overtones, 
there are now competing camps within the FBI, the CIA, the DIA, and even the Department of the Interior. No state or federal agency or subdivision of government can now be trusted to conform to the Constitution and its strictures. All of that went out the window back around the turn of the century. The 21st century, that is. Novelist Ayn Rand aptly used the term looters to describe the socialistic elements of our society. There will always be those who attempt to expropriate the productivity of others. This is most frightening when it is government that does so under color of law. By cleverly taking from some and dispensing most of it to others, government leaders can build a voter base and thereby make themselves permanent fixtures. The only things that distinguish a mob of urban looters from a cabal of thieving politicians are a. the color of law and b. the rapidity of the looting process. But the end result is the same. It is just that official looters can claim that they have the law on their side. They do their looting through intermediaries, often taxing authorities and traffic ticket riders. And they can resort to the police for muscle and to the courts for feigned legitimacy. The mass media outlets have become their willing accomplices. Now, taxation is looting in slow motion. Through a bureaucratic process, laws, paperwork, accounting entries, and paycheck deductions, all in broad daylight and televised on C-SPAN, rather than under cover of darkness with a cutlass in hand. Again, looting is still looting, whether it is carried out by privateers or by officials, and looting is still looting, whether it is punctuated by screams or by grumbling. The same forces can be seen in play at the geopolitical level. The looters at this level are the globalists who have the goal of redistributing wealth globally with a slice off the top for the UN. Carbon taxes, greenhouse gas offsets, and other green initiatives are just the latest in a long string of globalist Robin Hood schemes. Here in the U.S., the divided camps are now labeled red and blue, but let's start with some history. The use of red to designate Republicans and blue to designate Democrats was not standardized until 1988. It wasn't until the advent of color television that this even became an issue. If you watched coverage of the 1972 presidential election by CBS on a color television, blue was used to designate Republicans and red to designate Democrats. But ever since 1988, the mass media, by then dominated by leftward-leaning journalists, has universally adopted an inverted color scheme. To back up a bit further, traditionally, red has been the color associated with both socialism and communism. Both are to the left of free market capitalism. Back in the 1930s, the Nazis and Soviet communists began referring to each other as leftists and rightists, and that terminology stuck. They are both far to the left of the free market worldview. Yet conservatives are now called right-wing and democratic socialists are called left-wing. To further muddy the waters, they've reversed the color of the red sympathizing Democrats. Magically, they are now blue. Now, for the sake of shorthand for this essay, I'll just use the modern blanket term red and blue. And to avoid any additional confusion, I'll grit my teeth and refer to the democratic socialists as the blues, I dislike being called a red. I don't think that writing a memo to CBS, NBC, ABC, and CNN is going to rectify this. Their color scheme has now been mixed into well-hardened cement. I'm predicting a third Gulf War, but it won't be fought in the Middle East. 
It will be the second civil war here in America and caused by the gulf between the right and the left or between the godly and the godless or between the libertarians and the statists or between the individualist and the collectivist. Despite the non-sequiture, I'll just label the inlanders as red and the coastalers as blue. Individualism and collectivism are in diametric opposition. Nationalism and globalism are both inherently collectivist constructs. Therefore, I believe that nationalism must be tempered and restrained. Lest it destroy individual liberty, the logical break on any excesses of nationalism is a strong constitution with carefully crafted checks and balances. Now, although I am a libertarian with a lowercase l, I have doubts about full anarchism. Any truly anarchist state is simply too vulnerable when surrounded by other countries with natural expansionist tendencies. The lack of any national identity opens the doors for foreign invaders arriving piecemeal or in wholesale numbers to overwhelm an undefended territory. So some semblance of national identity must be maintained. That is, a defined border, a common cultural framework, and a common language. Striking a balance between these competing societal forces over the long term is a great difficulty. Some, like Bill Buppert, contend that it is an impossibility. Once too much government creeps in, it tends to consolidate power and eventually becomes tyrannical. I suppose the goal should be a constitutional republic with an underlying strong anarchist streak. Perhaps H.L. Minchkin said it best. Every normal man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist a black flag, and begin slitting throats. That was written by a socialist, but you can see his point. Now, the outbreak of actual fighting between red and blue regions will probably begin with street riots during a heated political campaign or perhaps immediately following a contested election. The most recent election, November 2018, was marred by ahem vote tallying irregularities, particularly in Florida and few other eastern states. If this is repeated in 2020, with enough vote counting manipulation to flip the presidential election, there could be huge riots. This might be the trigger for skirmishing and for some states demanding partition or even secession. I can see that Texas might be where it all begins. After all, there is a legitimate claim that Texas was never lawfully annexed into the Union, and there are already calls for Texas to leave the Union, so-called Texas. Regardless of where it begins, I predict that the Second Civil War will break out piecemeal and almost unexpectedly. It might be something as simple as one state declaring a boycott of goods from another state, or it might be a revolt by one group of counties in one part of a state being denied pleas for partition by its state legislatures in a state capital in another more populous part of the same state. I've mentioned this situation in both Oregon and Washington repeatedly. Now, with the second civil war now on the horizon, you, my dear reader, may have questions. Will my family be involved? Will we want to be involved? What regions of the country will be safe? The answer to these questions may not be immediately clear, but some places definitely won't be safe. Consider this. The counties in the state of Wyoming are almost uniformly red from end to end, but many states are a patchwork of red and blue counties. For example, the state of California is divided into 58 counties. Of those, roughly 10 quite urbanized counties are blue, while 30 rural counties are red, 
and perhaps eight counties are various shades of purple. Living in California may become like living in bleeding Kansas before and during the first civil war. If you continue to live in California despite the obvious risk, then that would be a classic blunder. Take a long, hard look at the political demographics of your current state of residence. Analyze it. Is it more like Wyoming or more like California? My advice is simple. Vote with your feet. The threat of a future civil war is just one more reason to permanently relocate to a more conservative inland state. If you are living away from the conflict, then you will have the option to become involved either directly or indirectly. But if you are living right in the thick of it, then you are more likely to be tossed about by events. Many situations will be determined by simple geography rather than by volition. So pick your locale wisely. And then the last line is, I may be biased, but I believe that nearly all of the counties inside the American Redoubt are a good starting point in your search for a safe haven. All right, guys. So like I said, you know, one of those articles to get you to think really about where you are, because when you're talking about self-reliance and preparedness, I mean, this is on like a big scale here. I mean, you're talking about if you are th- if you are somewhere where you are concerned about the demographic and the political climate and what might happen if things like this um, article uh, states, then that you know you're talking about maybe possibly uprooting your family and moving to a more conservative area. Now I've talked about Martin Armstrong and uh, I have shared his work before on this podcast. I've mentioned it. I share a lot of that on Prepper website. And uh, actually, if you are part of the email list, I did send out a link this weekend. And so if you didn't get to see that, I would go back and go check that out. I believe the article was titled like, Will Trump Win in 2020? And so, you know, there are some some things that his computer program and the way that he looks at cycles that, um, you know, might be interesting to you. But this is one of those things that, you know, we should be paying attention. I know sometimes people, and I've seen that on social media, especially when the election comes around and they, they start saying, I'm just so tired of this. I don't want anything to do with it. I just wish it'll go away. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad it's over when it's finally over, right? The thing is, is that, you know, what if we get into a situation where it's not over when it's over? And the other thing is, should you be paying attention? Should you look at your counties and how your counties voted? You know, a simple Google search will, uh, or any kind of internet search will get you to that information. And so I can tell you that, you know, I live in the, the Houston Metroplex area. I live in a suburb of Houston. I can tell you that Houston, that, you know, inside Houston city limits has become very liberal and outside of the city limits is still very conservative in exactly what this article was talking about. And, uh, you know, that's something to consider. And uh, that might make a difference in where you live. That might be a diff- make a difference in, you know, how people look at you as well. I mean, if you were in a situation where people found out that you, that you maybe you were conservative or you had conservative values, but you lived in an area that was, you know, different from that, you know, completely maybe liberal or whatever. But is it something that you should pay attention to? Is it something that maybe you should do a little bit of research I think so. And so that is up to you. 
there are 110 comments here so that's a lot of comments and a lot of information so if you are interested if, th if this is an interesting topic to you then you want to come over to this article and read it a little bit more carefully and look at the comments and see what people have to say a lot of the times in comments people have some really great advice sometimes the advice is, is isn't that good but definitely especially when you have a topic like this you're going to have a lot of people with a lot of different views and maybe some ideas for you and your family and then if you have a question you can always engage and you know hopefully people would answer your question here so again like always that's coming to us from uh, survivalblog.com like always i'm going to link to it in the show notes well everyone that is it for episode 502 thanks so much for hanging out with me today on this podcast episode hey don't forget to subscribe to the show head on over to the prepper website podcast.com that way you never miss another episode of sweet prepper goodness and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.